0: If you want to get the latest news about our podcast, including upcoming episodes, exclusive content and live events, visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to subscribe to our weekly newsletter.
1: I mean, the themes, they're kind of the same. You know, it's people talking about a moment in their life that changed everything and how they got there, you know, and that might be crime or love, but it's kind of talking about these seminal moments we have in our lives and how they shape everything.
0: Love and murder, murder and love, two extremes of human experience. This week's guest has an interest in telling stories about both. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Phoebe Judge is an award-winning journalist who regularly conducts interviews and anchors WUNC's broadcast of Here and Now in North Carolina. Phoebe is also the host and co-founder, along with Lauren Sporer, of the gripping true crime podcast, Criminal. Just last February, the duo turned their attention to something not quite as dark, but just as gripping. This is love, a podcast about all things love. Welcome to the podcast, Phoebe. Thank you. Uh, before we turn on the mics, uh, you were just saying that it's been about four years since uh, since criminal came online, I guess. I guess on, we say online as opposed to on air. But you've been involved in audio storytelling for a while. Could you sort of talk about uh, your career as a, a radio journalist?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I, thinking back on it, I think I've, really only ever made a real paycheck in radio. I started, uh, right after I graduated from college, I started working as an intern on a small radio station on Cape Cod called WCAI. And from there, I... Got my feet wet reporting, but also doing everything that's expected of someone who's at a small radio station, you know, um, doing the web and producing and finding stories. And my first real reporting project was a murder trial that happened on Nantucket, a little island. It was the first murder that had happened there in uh, Decades. And because I was young and had no family and had no life, um, they sent me to kind of go and live on Nantucket and be in the courtroom every single day. Wow. And that was how it kind of all started. And after I covered this murder trial, I really thought about what skills I would need to. To figure out how to make a longer audio story. So I went to a graduate program in radio documentary at a place called Salt in Portland, Maine. And from there, you know, I was 23. And at that point, you kind of see what's out there in terms of jobs in public radio. And what was offered to me was Valdez, Alaska, (laughs) Garden City, Kansas, which the claim to fame there is that's where the Clutter family was murdered in cold blood, Truman Cody, and a couple of others, but also Gulfport, Mississippi. And I'm from Chicago. I had no idea that Mississippi really even had a coastline. I was completely naive, but I was really intrigued by working in a state that not only has so many of the problems that Mississippi does, but also had just been completely devastated by Katrina just a few years before. So I was in Gulfport, and I stayed there for two and a half years reporting every day. Um, The Gulf Coast reporter for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And then just kind of at the end of my stint, oil spill happened. I was now filing for NPR more and really what was so good for me or what was so interesting is that I was there the first day the explosion happened and and the oil started leaking and I covered it all the way until that uh, well was capped. And then I kind of, I thought, well, I've done everything I can do here and I, um, or at least I've felt I needed to do something else to gain more skills as a I don't radio producer, reporter, who knows. I went to India and I did a very long piece about the health of the Ganges River. And when I got done with that, I I didn't have any job. I felt like I would be okay, but there happened to be this job open for a a reporter, a producer at a show called The Story with Dick Gordon, which is a national show produced out of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I came and I was a producer, but also I love to interview people. And Dick Gordon, the host, was incredibly generous. And he said, okay, Phoebe, try it. And so I started doing interviews and guest hosting, and I loved it so much. And the show was canceled. And it was at that point when the show was canceled that I decided, along with Lauren Spohr, who was also working at the story, that this would be the time to do uh to do our own podcast and to do a show that I could host. And that's how criminal started. And so now four years later, um, there are two podcasts and uh, I'm still doing it every day.
0: So what was, uh, well, before I ask you about, about podcasting, let me, let me talk to you a little bit about um, storytelling and uh, audio storytelling and and interviewing. What is it you like about audio storytelling?
1: Oh, I like the simplicity of it. Simplicity People, I think, sometimes have a naive idea that audio, somehow, the fact that we don't have to worry about video or visuals is easier. I think it's actually a lot harder, and it takes so much time to put a well-put-together a well put together radio piece. Audio piece is so hard to do. I don't think I've mastered it in any way, but what's – so your ears, because you're only really using one sense, I find, when you listen to an audio piece, your ears are – so much more, they're not as distracted. And so you can pick up on things. You pick up on nuance. You pick on people's voices. You can hear when there's a bad edit. You can hear when the music is too loud. And so it forces us as these audio producers to try to do a, a perfect job of creating a sound which won't trip the listener up because there's not that possibility of using visuals to complete the message. Or in in if it were just text, someone could go back and read, you know, wait, what did they just say? And I love that challenge. And I also love the challenge of just, you know, find just the sound of people's voices I like so much. It's really the only thing I've Thought to do is audio. I I never thought about anything but doing radio. My father was in radio. I grew up in Chicago around some pretty radio, you know, greats. Um, I was lucky enough to be around since I was a little girl, and I've just always thought about radio. So that was an easy one for me in terms of interviewing. Since I, also since the time I was very little, I just like to ask people questions. I ask people too many questions. And I like to ask the most mundane stuff. I mean, I don't I don't ever find myself asking, you know, what's the meaning of your life? I'd much rather ask, you know, what is it like when you get up and go to work every day? You know, what's the drive like? What's the hardest part of your job? If you're a painter, how do you work your, on your arm? How do you make sure your muscle is... I just like the intricacies of life and work are the types of questions I like to ask. And so, to find something that I can—a job where I can do that—has just been oh, such a great pleasure.
0: And if you listen to "Criminal," if you listen to "This Is Love," you can tell that there's the sense that you, you're very informal in the way you talk to people and you ask questions, and it's very much very driven by the narrative. The, the people talking, their answers aren't so pointed. Sometimes, when you when you listen to audio interviews, they're, they're really kind of tightened up to the point where it's just, you know, they're addressing a particular point. But, you know, you allow people, I think, to kind of express themselves in, in a way that they they reveal kind of who they are. It's, it's not just, they're not just there answering your question, but the way they answer it, the, the, the inflection they have, kind of paints that picture of who they are. And you don't always get that sometimes with podcasts or, or radio pieces, I think.
1: That's nice to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad that's what you come away with um, after listening to to one of these shows. I mean, I think, you know, for me and as someone who's a host of these shows, the goal, I love to ask questions and I love to get to know people and all of these things, but the goal for us in these shows was that my job as host was to be the voice of the listener who couldn't ask the question. And so to be curious and to be open and to not be judgmental and to be dumb. I ask incredibly dumb things sometimes. I don't want anyone to think that I know it all or have done all the the research. You know, I I want the guest to be the, the person who leads the conversation. And I... I think we've created a show where a guest can go in one direction and I'll go with them. You know, it's okay. You know, it might not go exactly to plan. Sometimes I hear interviews and it's obvious that the host has an agenda. And so the last question and the guest will answer and won't really have answered the question or will have said something incredibly interesting. And the host just goes right on to the list of the next question. You can see they're reading a list. And the person just said something incredibly profound, but it might not be in the boundaries of what someone thought the interview was going to be. And I like just letting the person go where they need to go. I think it's my job to kind of be a referee and help them find the road so we can tell the story. But people say wonderful things when you haven't asked them a question. And I think for me, in terms of editing someone's answer tightly – There's a point in the new show, This Is Love, it's the first episode, and it's about a man who's lost his wife and had to raise their two daughters and about that whole process. But it's been 30 years or something since his wife died, and there's a my favorite piece in the whole series, I ask him to describe what she looked like, and he starts. You can hear him start to speak, and then he stops and he can't do it it's i think it's that the idea of having to remember what she looked like and describe it to someone else is too painful for him and too hard. You know, I can ask him, so you're still in love with her? And he says, oh, yeah, of course I'm still in love with her. But it was something about that question. And there's this incredible pause where you hear him try and he has to stop. And I think that pause of two seconds or whatever it might be, which is very long in radio to have silence, is is my favorite thing. And it makes me want to keep telling stories and it certainly makes me want to keep working in audio because we can leave that pause. And it says so much more than me talking or me summing something up.
0: Yeah. People don't, I mean, there's so much power in silence sometimes. And and actually sometimes that's the most important thing (laughs) is allowing things to breathe and to sort of sink in and and, and actually the listener to sort of fill in that space. So, you know when you started out and you said that you, you you were in Nantucket and you were covering this this murder murder trial and I was thinking oh well this is a woman who's like you know she's been down the the crime reporting path this is kind of something that interests her but what, you know why why criminal what what made you and your partner think to, that this is what you wanted to do Well it's
1: interesting because I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm more interested in crime than I am a million topics. I mean, that's the honest answer. And what interested me in that courtroom on Nantucket when I was 23, it was a murder trial, and it was a vicious murder. But the most important part of the whole trial for me was um, one day the mother of the man who ended up being convicted of killing uh, his girlfriend was sitting in the courtroom, and she was an older woman, and she was dressed formally, but perfectly, you know, she wore a suit and her hair was done. And, and you could tell every day when she walked into the courtroom that this was the worst day of her life, sitting there and being in a courtroom, probably knowing that her son was guilty. And she was going to testify that afternoon. And we came back from lunch and I got to the courtroom early and I was sitting down and she was in the front row or the second row of, of, of the benches crying alone, sitting all alone, and the mother of the victim of this woman who knew that the son of this lady probably murdered her daughter she walked up and she sat down next to this mother and she put her arm around her and it was just the two of them no one else is in the courtroom no one really saw this and i just watched that moment of these two mothers i mean i just that said everything's back I, I was abs- not obsessed but I was fascinated by that and that's why I do crime stories it's not for the crime it's not for the viciousness it's not for anything about it I I actually hate that I hate the blood and gore of crime stories I'm not interested in them and I criminal does everything we can to not really do that. But it's the humanity that that comes out in people surrounding these stories that fascinate me. And it's trying to figure out why we do the things we do. You know, um, criminal often will just end. We don't have many conclusions. We certainly don't have the summation for me saying this person was good or bad. That's not my job to to say whether someone is good or bad or right or wrong. All we want to do is figure out why people do the things they do, what got them up to that point. And crime is just a very rich, rich subject for for stories like that. And when we started criminal four years ago, you know, there weren't really any crime shows. Serial didn't start until a year later, you know, and it was a good topic that really didn't seem like it had been overdone. And we just thought, you know, and uh, Lauren suggested the topic crime. And I thought to myself, oh, we'll never run out of stories.
0: <laughs> yeah, there will always be crime. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was th- thinking of, you know, to your point about, uh, you know, talking about the humanity of it. I think it was the most recent ep- episode, the one about the girl and the bridge. And that story, I mean, it's her story, but actually the character in in the story, the person in the story that, that you hear the change and the growth and, and you know, who's the one who sort of expresses the sentiment and the feeling behind it is is actually the sheriff. And you can hear through him how his life has been changed and affected by this thing. Obviously, this terrible thing happened to this woman and her sister, but he's the one, you know, he's the witness, he's the one who was involved with the one victim And, you know, a lot of a lot of this, you know, obviously, because she couldn't tell her story, you had to rely on him to tell his but he had such a powerful narrative. I thought it was really very moving.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's for us, that's a criteria for any episode is that we have to find someone who has some direct experience. Because if we don't do that, then it's just hearsay. You know, if we couldn't have found someone who wasn't, didn't know Becky, the woman who died, we couldn't have done that story because it just would have been speculation. And at some point it would have just been us telling a gory story about a terribly sad event about rape and murder you know, and and we don't want to do that. You know, what we want to do is tell a story that has something a little bit more, you know, and even the story that we just told, Casper Wyoming is the episode. We debated long and hard about telling that story, you know, and having the conversation because why are we telling the story? Are we just telling the story for the shock value of how vicious a crime this was? And I think the conclusion was, yes, it was a terribly vicious crime that we're going to talk about. But The point is, is that trauma lasts and that people can be terribly affected by something for the rest of their lives. And that sometimes we don't get over it. We like to believe that we can get over things, that the human mind and and spirit is resilient, and it will all be okay with time. I think it's good to sometimes remember, that's not always the case. And that's why we ended up telling that story. And Dave DiValla, the sheriff that you mentioned, his old-timey Wyoming accent and his way of thinking about things, and just being very direct. I remember I said to him, "What happened to Becky?" And he was so—he didn't hesitate. He didn't pause. He just said, "She went off the same bridge." Like he was still shocked by it. You know the way he said it. Just isn't that the crazy? She went off the same bridge. I loved his voice in that, and just you could hear so much. He, he didn't speak. You know, he wasn't an incredibly verbose man, but the tone of his voice said it all.
0: So from crime, you, you go to love with this new, new podcast, the one that started in February, February, This Is Love. What made you decide? Did you say, we got to do something a little more, I don't know, positive or a little more, <laughs> you know, let's, we're, we're exploring the dark side of human nature, not that love sometimes can't be dark, but, you know, wh- what was it that inspired you to do this?
1: I think all of that. I think that we we were looking, we thought that it was a good time in the world to be putting out stories of of, of hopefulness in some way. But also it was just a, a challenge. You know, we, over four years, had seen that, you know, criminal could grow and to be a, a somewhat successful show with an audience that we, I, I think we have a very loyal audience that we're incredibly thankful and lucky. But, you know, could we stretch our wings and try another topic, and would we find an audience and could we do this? You know, or were we just good at crime? <laughs> could we take on another topic and so I think it was a it was a way to challenge ourselves on something totally brand new and also. To work on a show that, you know, I, doing these love interviews, I found myself that I was, usually I interview someone for no more than an hour. I think that an hour is about it. I think people get tired. Sometimes the topics are very hard. I get tired. But I was doing these love interviews and it would be an hour and a half, sometimes two hours I would have talked to someone. And the time just flew by, you know, and I didn't realize it. And so it's been, it's so great and fun to work on this love show. And I'm so happy because I think that the love show is, of course, totally different than Criminal, but I think it kind of sounds like Criminal, and I think that I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy that aesthetically it sounds kind of like Criminal, and so we were able to kind of translate that to topic totally different, but the themes, I mean, the themes, some. They're kind of the same. You know, it's people talking about a moment in their life that changed everything and how they got there, you know, and that might be crime or love, but it's kind of talking about these seminal moments we have in our lives and how they shape everything.
0: So as somebody who's worked in radio and now is in finding success in podcasting, how do you see the, the two different worlds? Are they, are they, they radically different or are they, are they really kind of just sort of the same thing, but just presented in a different way?
1: are. I mean, I think the great thing about podcasting is that it's allowed so many people to have a voice and a platform for their work. Whereas radio, we had this finite amount of time on the clock and we were all jockeying to get our pieces heard. Now people can put their stuff up and other people will find it. But for me, I don't see much of a difference in terms of my job, which is creating content. You know, there's no standard that's different for me in the way that I was Constructing something for radio now as uh, constructing something to a podcast. My journalistic standards, ethics, X Y Z are all the same. But I miss the radio. I love the radio. I love being on the radio. I, I love it so much. I've always loved it. I love being live on the radio. And there's still something to me, you know. Um, all heard criminals heard all over the world, and a lot of listeners. But. When I'm on the radio, when I hear the local radio station plays parts of criminal and uh, sometimes radio stations around the country that have curated shows based on podcast content will play criminal. And knowing – I remember one time a couple of years ago uh, – my mother and my sister were in Chicago, and WBEZ, Chicago's public radio station, which radio station I grew up with, was going to air criminal. Now, I knew that my mother and sister could play criminal 75 times, anytime they wanted on, the, on their computer or on their phone. But the fact that they could turn on the radio and hear criminal was such a big deal to me. And I called them up, and I was here in North Carolina, and I was... On the phone with my mother who is listening to the radio to me on the radio in Chicago and uh, it's still something very special to me and i I hope I never I still work in a radio station we record criminal at North Carolina public Radio so I'm there every day at a working radio station and um, I love it
0: do you miss just like being live or just just the idea of being on on radio being there's something live?
1: about it there's something about There's something – I don't know. I miss – yeah, I miss being live. I I love being live. I love the rush of that. Sometimes I fill in for the local daily talk show here Mm -hmm. because I I think it's so fun to do, and I love that. But also there's a power. Radio has power. You know, it's this thing you plug into the wall is going to play something for you, your choice. You have the choice to change the station, but – it's coming at you, you know, it's, it's on whether you're listening or not. And that to me is very powerful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's going to go on no matter what. I mean, with a exactly. po- with a podcast mm-hmm. is, you know, well, maybe it's just going to sit on the shelf. Nobody, right. nobody will take it, but radio, it's just going to happen. You're going to miss it. If you don't listen,
1: go on, you can come across it, you know, that you yeah. can be driving down the road and switch, switch it. You know, I do that. I drive a lot and, and I, Find myself just scanning through, and you will land on something. You don't know what in the world it is, but it, you know it's coming at you through the speakers. I love that idea.
0: So, besides uh, obviously a lot of the the professional skill that you bring to and attitude that you bring to producing these podcasts, can you talk sort of about the growth of podcasting for you? You know how how you've seen. You know the the podcast sort of evolve over the years, and, and compared to what you see going on in the industry around you.
1: Well, you know, criminal. We produced Criminals for a year, really not making a dollar and having no advertisers, and really doing it at night. And after a year of producing the show, Radiotopia asked if we would join the network, and this was all happening at the same time that Serial was coming out, which helped all of podcasting, I think, um, crime or not. But also, we had started to get some good press about the show, even before Serial. And I think that from there, we started to, to see it. We were seeing a growth in our audience each month, but we continued to see a growth, and we just stuck with it. And then we increased our frequency from once a month, every three weeks, and then three weeks to two weeks. And we're able to quit our full-time jobs, but, you know, two years into making Criminal, I was still on the radio every day. And so it was this balancing act, but now to be full-time, you know, working on these podcasts, it's been great. We now have a third producer. We have Rob Byers who works at NPR, but also mixes our show. The thing though, that I think always is, I remember the first episode of Criminal, we had 51 downloads on that first day. And, uh, fifty one I remember looking and I was watching it all day Is and i story? was i th- well, but i I didn't even that. I just thought, oh, there's someone who I don't know who's listening to this show. um I maybe know forty of the people we probably know, but ten people maybe have just found this thing to this day. I still am convinced that they're all going to leave all of the listeners are going to leave <laughs> and i need to do as good a job as possible and that we have to do as good a job as possible as we did when we were trying. we had 51 listeners it feels the same exact way to me the the terror and fear of losing our audience and just wanting to put out and take the best product possible and when i think for one second oh no i don't know about that last episode was did we did we you know can we just kind of phone that one in uh, you know i We never do because we're so terrified, you know, and we feel so lucky. I mean, this is an industry where I think there was a 200,000 podcasts on iTunes or something like that. Um, It's crazy. And the fact that Criminal has been able to exist for four years and that we have been able to keep our audience, I am so thankful for. You know, I don't I do not take this for granted. It has been an awful lot of work, a terrible amount of work. But how lucky to be able to work on a show like this that that you've created and designed and you get to do stories that you're just curious about. I mean, you if, if that's the type of work you do, then you deserve to do hard work because you're lucky to get to do it. And, and I just am... It's a much bigger world out there right now, but we are just we're just keeping our heads down and just working as hard as we can and not really worrying you know I can't really worry about the fact that there are seventeen other crime podcasts that are going to come out this year there should be seventeen other crime podcasts and um, and there's wonderful stuff there's incredibly high-quality stuff being produced now. And we're just going to keep our heads down and just keep making our little show and do the best we can. And I think it's been really great to be kind of not in New York or Los Angeles and kind of to kept our, you know, there are three of us. I mean, we're tiny. Kept to, to be so small, because we don't have to worry about anything else. We don't have to worry about what's going on in the rest of the industry. We just, we're just going to keep doing the same thing that we've done since episode one and just hope that people like it and hope that people want to keep listening to it and really thankful that people still are listening.
0: That's the beauty of podcasting, because, you know, if you find something that that you're passionate about and you could put your energy in that you enjoy doing that other people seem to enjoy, then it's not a labor. It's not like, oh, my God, I got to I got to, you know, I got to make sure I get this episode in so I can get X number of people that I because my boss told me I need to do this. I got to change this. It's you make the smart decisions because they're the right decisions. And you understand it. the more work you do. It's rewarding in a really interesting way, you know, maybe not monetarily for a lot of people, but podcasting is really kind of, it's kind of great. I I don't know what else to say. Phoebe, this has been a great conversation. I I probably could just sit and talk to you for an hour about uh, podcasting and and, and audio production and whatnot, but uh, I'm going to continue listening to Criminal and uh, your new show, This Is Love. Uh, I encourage people to listen to both. Great shows, really well produced. Really human stories, really human drama. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at It'sAllJournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Nicholas Hunter provided research. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Want to get the latest news about our podcast, including upcoming episodes and exclusive content? Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.
1: what's working in washington podcast with your host jonathan aberman
0: we share this region's innovative entrepreneurial and creative spirit this podcast tells impressive stories of passion and spunk taking place here in the dc region it illustrates how the nation's capital is anything but the stuffy bureaucratic politics only reputation it tries to shed
1: the what's working in washington podcast find it on itunes the podcast one app podcast one.com or at wtop.com search podcast dc the Finish the Game Podcast with your host,
0: Sean Alexander. Ball play to Sean across the 10 to 5 touchdown Seahawks. Hey, this is Sean Alexander, NFL MVP. Check out my podcast, Finish the Game, where I discuss sports and life lessons helping you become an MVP. The Finish the Game Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast
1: One app, podcast1.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.